Hey, it's Dan. I'm just popping up quickly to say welcome to Pride Month on a gay and a non-gay. We have got some incredible guests coming up over the next four weeks, including one of the finalists from this year's RuPaul's Drag Race Ed of the Day, the author and editor of the new anthology by LGBTQ plus Arab writers, This Arab is Queer, alias Jarshan. Uh, we've got the first openly gay FA referee, and at the time he came out, the only openly gay man in British professional football, Ryan Atkin. And today we are joined by Jake and Hannah Graff, who are the UK's first transgender parents, whose documentary Our Baby, A Modern Miracle, you may have seen on Channel 4 last year. Have a great Pride Month, everybody. James and myself will see you, just the two of us, in just over a month's time. But for now, happy Pride, and here's Jake and Hannah Graff. Coming up... Everyone should be entitled to live their authentic selves happily without fear of retribution from someone who thinks that you're a freak. A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. It's Pride Month on A Gay and a Non-Gay, and we are so excited to be here celebrating love with Jake and Hannah Graff. So Jake is an international multi-award winning director, writer and actor, and Hannah is a former officer of the British Army, and I believe the highest ranking transgender officer in the British Army, which is amazing. And you are our second couple ever to appear on A Gay and Non-Gay. So welcome to the show. Woo! Wow. Thank you so much for having us. We're so lucky to be with you because you're so busy and your family is growing by the day. And when this episode comes out, you may have met your new person. <laughs> Do you have a message for her that she might listen to when, uh, when she comes out? We love you and we're <laughs> sorry that you don't have your own documentary. Oh. <laughs> welcome to A Gay and A Non-Gay. Did either of you imagine that you would ever fall in love with another transgender person? I didn't think I'd ever (laughs) fall in love, period. You know, when I transitioned, I thought I was giving up the right to be able to have a relationship because that's how people make you feel. Sorry, you know, going straight to the transphobia. But, you know, that's how you made it feel growing up. You know, all the representation around trans people was so awful. You feel like you're a freak, you're a weirdo, you're wrong. And so even though, you know, it's the right thing to do for you and, you know, you know that you'll be happier in yourself. I thought I was giving up any possibility of finding someone to even go on a date with, let alone get married, have kids. So I had to pinch myself an hour and go just remember where I came from. And this is where I am. It's amazing. Yes. (laughs) she's very lucky Uh, we we both you know I I mean I lived as a lesbian for about 15 years before transitioning and dated lots of girls but you know when I realized I finally I needed to transition I thought I'd never date again I thought no one would ever want me again and that was what held me back because I thought you know do I want to be alone and then I thought you know I have to be happy in my body at some point in my life and as most trans people tell you dating as a trans person is incredibly hard there's the stigma there's the when do I tell someone there's the are they going to accept me oh no they're not meeting Hannah was a relief you know when we met and we had our first date which lasted 11 hours we talked about everything except being trans we talked about music and family and what we loved and what we didn't love and just normal things you know normal using quotation marks of course because what is normal but we didn't talk about being trans which was actually quite nice we didn't have to come out we didn't have to worry about oh god i'm gonna have to tell her parents you know and she's gonna have to tell her parents and face what her friends will think and it was just easy, wasn't it? Yeah, it's what brought us together, but it's not what kept us together. It, you know, it just meant that we could be ourselves completely openly, honestly, 
and just find out what made us tick without having to confront all of the, the usual rubbish that you've got to when you're dating as a trans person. Because as Jake says, it's really, really tough. You mentioned that you came out as a lesbian. When you did that, did you know that you weren't really one or did you think you were? I mean, quite literally since I was like two and a half, three years old, as soon as I could think... I knew that I was a boy and I would say this to my mum and dad every day. Well, I'm a boy, I'm a boy, don't call me that name. And don't, you know, I, I obviously I didn't know the word pronouns. I didn't know that transgender was a thing. I just knew that I was a boy and I would tell them every day. And, you know, at the beginning, I guess it was sort of cute. I was a little tomboy and, and you know, my dad quite liked it. We do all boy things together. But then obviously you get to sort of six or seven and you're still saying, I don't want to wear a dress. <laughs> and, you know, every wedding or birthday or was, was a nightmare of, you know, my mum trying to force me into these pink frilly things and me kind of fighting it off and so I'd known since that age that I was a boy but then when you don't you know that, that they say if you can't see you, you can't be you and because there was no one transgender out there for me to look at in the cartoons I watched after school or the films I saw or the books I read and so I just thought you know I'm the only boy in the world in a girl's body and that's literally how I rationalized it in my head and so you know having gone through all of that and puberty being horrific and all of those things and I think by the age of 16 I was so desperate just to fit in anywhere and everyone was like you know you're a woman and I knew I liked girls I'd always liked girls and so I thought well I must be a lesbian because all the representations I'd ever seen of anyone remotely like me were butch women in in films and so I thought well that's what I've got to be maybe that's you know so I went out one night into Soho at the age of I think 16 or 17 and stumbled into Freedom Bar met a girl within 10 minutes had a girlfriend that by the next morning it was great (laughs) as we do you don't waste any Um, time and that was the first time I belonged I was working in the candy bar about a year later which was like the little lesbian bar in the middle of all the boys' bars. I in remember Soho. the candy yeah, bar. I never great. went. I wasn't allowed in. We don't. I don't think so. We didn't let the boys in. <laughs> and, and that was it. I found a community there for the first time in my life and I belonged and I, I had, you know, acceptance. And acceptance is such a powerful, heady, wonderful feeling when you've never had it. And so I threw myself into that community for like 15 years, all the while knowing that that wasn't really who I was. And so, you know, there was lots of drinking and terrible behavior and really kind of, you know, destructive stuff going on until I was able to transition. When we chatted to Chaz Bono, Chaz was saying as a lesbian, it just didn't work because they're a ma- they were a man. And so anyone they dated that was a lesbian was just like not, it didn't work for them because obviously Chaz is a man and not, not a woman. And so the other person in the relationship would just be able to tell. Did you have a similar experience? I mean, I was just, I was so angry. I've been angry since I was probably 12. And I thought I was probably angry before that, that no one was listening to me. And I was going, oh boy, I'm a boy, I'm a boy. And obviously there was no internet back then. There was no mermaids charity. There was no information whatsoever. And so I think as a young person, when you're telling your parents or, you know, your caregivers from such a young age who you are, no one's listening to you. Of course it makes you angry. And, and so I was a little ball of rage. And by the time I hit the lesbian scene and was drinking a lot, it wasn't <laughs> a good thing. And all of these women that were kind enough to date me, must have thought, wow, this, you know, I was hard work. I really was. And whether or not it's because they knew I was trans or whatever they thought it was, it was a difficult time. And it was literally only when I met another trans man at 25 years old that for the first time in my life, I kind of felt hope and the potential of happiness. Um, And Hannah, your background is is the military. Um, And Hannah, your background is is the military. Um, What is it like? Yeah, it really depends on when you're in the armed forces that dictates how open they were. You know, if you go back in history, there were literally people going around finding people for being gay and kicking them out. It seems now that that's crazy, but we've come a long way in a very short period of time. But I mean, when I came out, I faced a lot of lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. But I also faced a lot of people who valued me for what I did. 
and were willing to go on the journey with me. So I came out to my commanding officer and said, look, I'm trans. And they were like, I have no idea what to do now, but we'll work it out together. And they allowed me to kind of like lead that process. You know, I had some good advice, some good role models to look up to help me through it. And yes, it was ups and downs, but ultimately I came out when I was just this army officer I was doing my job and that's what you know that's all I ever really wanted was to continue doing my job I didn't lose you know, the respect of my colleagues and the people who worked for me and it gave me so much confidence and confidence that I've carried through into the rest of my life now just to know that you can be whoever you want to be whether that's in the army you know modeling teacher whatever it is being trans is not a barrier to being happy in life and that is the most amazing thing to be able to say You're both patrons of Mermaid's Charity, which we both love as well. I just wonder what you think is the the best way and the easiest thing people can do to be an ally to trans people at the moment. I mean, particularly, specifically, which, you know, everyone's talking about trans young people and trans kids, but no one's talking to these kids and no one's talking to their families and no one's talking to the mother who saw their child self-harm for four or five years before they were allowed to socially transition or, you know, try to, unfortunately, we know, take their own lives. And no one's speaking to these families who then see their children flourish and blossom and thrive just because they are being allowed to use a different pronoun or use a different name or allowed to wear the clothes that they want or express themselves. You know, it's such little things that you need to do. All this nonsense about, like, allowing kids to have hormones and surgeries a just doesn't happen and it's just nonsense and most parents wouldn't want that at that age for their kids anyway you know nonsense about like parents forcing their kids into these things or doctors forcing these kids is all absolute misinformation and you know i knew when i was three and if my mum and dad had said right well we can use one of the many many names that i would sign their birthday cards you know charles bob frank whatever if you want to be called charles (laughs) then we will allow you to And if you want to be called he, then we will allow you to. And it would have made such a difference to me. And it would have just changed my life and changed the way I felt about myself and maybe meant that I didn't grow up with crippling self-doubt, lack of self-belief and lack of self-confidence and lack of self-worth and then fall into alcoholism, etc. And all those things that a lot of, not all trans people, of course, but, you know, that certainly happened to me. And I think what we just need to do is listen to trans people. And whether that's your trans colleague at work or your trans child or your trans brother or cousin or nephew or whoever it is just listen to them and support them and if they're asking for a particular pronoun or a particular name ask yourself particularly as a parent does it really harm you to do that for your child just like does it really harm you when your child comes out as gay to say okay cool if you've got a crush on the boy in in, in school that's not a problem and just accept and respect i think that's really all it's about across the board i think the biggest challenge that the trans community face at the moment is the weight of misinformation out there not just from right-wing media but also from traditionally left-wing media which you'd hope would more have your back but we we haven't so all mainstream media is quite happy to publish really anti-trans stories so that i think the thing that people can do really well is just have a critical mind if you're reading an article that says something about trans people ask yourself is there a trans voice in there don't take it at face value think is this actually accurate is there another way of looking at this because as the gay community found out you know look at the headlines 
that are around gay men, you know, at the height of the HIV crisis. It's not dissimilar to what you're hearing about trans women in bathrooms now. We all look at that back now and go, that's crazy. How could they possibly write that? But they did. And that's what's happening about trans people now. So don't take the headlines at face value. Have a critical mind. And if you're not sure, seek out a trans voice who can at least give you an authentic representation of what our lives are actually like, which are, for the most part, extremely mundane and boring, which is the right... <laughs> and I think that's what we're all aiming for as queer people. Mundane and boring, that's what we're just after. What, mundane, yeah. boring. Right? Like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to be at home with my dog and my boyfriend watching TV. Like Happy everybody and else. Yeah. Act. And I know I've said this before, but it's never been about bathrooms. You know, this nonsense that's been whipped up about trans women in bathrooms is the same that was whipped up about gay men in bathrooms. You do want a, a queer, a, a, the urinal next to you. And then you go back 100 years and it's the same as there was, was being sort of put forward about people of colour in white bathrooms. It's never been about bathrooms. It's been about squashing down minorities and fear mongering. And, and you know, why is that? And God only know. Why do we always come back to bathrooms? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's weird. Who cares? Right. I don't want to look at anyone else in a bathroom. I wonder how it feels to both of you being trans, but one of you a man, one of you a woman. Do you feel as though women are more attacked in the trans community than men? There is no comparison. What I see to all our trans female friends, you know, and I know that there are lots, I'm not going to start naming people, but, you know, one of our friends who was spat on recently on the tube, which went mega viral. I know friends who walk down the street, you know, on a daily basis and are shoved and pushed and called all sorts of names. And, you know, Hannah recently said that, you know, she now doesn't use the changing room at the gym because she's worried about what might happen if someone reads her as transgender. Whereas I walk through the streets, obviously, as a trans man, unseen, under the radar, mostly unattacked, um, you know, on Twitter, yes, because they know who I am, and that happens a lot. But walking down the street, trans men, largely because of our physicalities, are sort of afforded the luxury of being unseen and being unattacked and unprovoked and unhurt. And trans women, again, because of their physicality, potentially have, have much more risk and there is just literally no comparison, which is why trans women have been at the forefront of all these big battles like Stonewall and so on, because they've had no option but to fight for their for their lives. Whether it's misogyny or homophobia, it's all linked to the same stuff. It's this kind of idea that masculine is superior to feminine. So someone who is masculine, i.e. a traditional man, as people see it, and then either wanting to date another man, which they see as feminine, or they want to you know, transition, they see that as, again, going against the grain. Whereas I think they feel like someone who is feminine going masculine is almost aspirational. So I think that, which is why, for example, people are quite happy with tomboys but less happy with boys who want to wear a dress. It's all linked together for me and it's all rooted in the misogyny of our of our lives and our existence and the patriarchy, which yeah. is something I can go very deep, but it's true. <laughs> no, it is um, true, yeah. And this is why I think it's crazy when people say that, you know, trans women and women are at odds because we're actually fighting against the same bullshit day in, day out. Yeah, I feel that when I see a lot of those arguments coming at trans women from women, I feel like they're misfiring their hatred towards misogyny at, another vulnerable minority women trans women their own people in my opinion because women are all women so why are they doing that why have they misunderstood that actually they should be having a go at men ultimately what trans people really want is the ability to own our own bodies we are born in a way that we're not comfortable with it our minds and our emotions and our identity doesn't match the body that we have and so we're aligning the two and that's about being able to control your body that is no different to the you know the huge amounts of arguments that are out there for the feminist movement around controlling their bodies look at what's going on in america now with roe v wade and all that kind of stuff it's the same crap we just want autonomy over our own bodies we are absolutely aligned trans rights 
women's rights are 100% aligned no matter what people try and force out there in the media and tell you otherwise. Find me one transgender woman who doesn't support you know, women's rights. The woman who is likely the world's best known children's author is defending herself against growing accusations of transphobia. This is J.K. Rowling, the creator of Harry Potter, of course, who sparked outrage last weekend with a series of controversial tweets about trans women. I hate to bring her name into it, but why? So oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> why, can I guess who is going to be lingering do, do, there do, in the background? Do. We're like talking about it, but not. Um, have you ever sat down with her? Have you wanted to? Like, would you do that? Because it feels like. Are she... we talking about JK here? Yeah. Unfortunately, she is absolutely unreachable. And we know a lot of people who have tried from different angles to approach her, to speak to her. And she just doesn't care. I mean, this woman is a billionaire. She's in her castle on a hill. She's got her little <laughs> sycophantic supporters and her pals within all the hate groups and she doesn't feel the need to have those conversations and it's hurtful and it seems that she's not stopping in fact she's doubling down and unfortunately we're now in this position where the more she does the more she's attacked the more she then obviously it fuels her fire and it's now turned into a vicious circle where obviously the trans community launches on her she hits back with obviously much more power much more sway the trans community goes back and so on and so forth and unfortunately everyone's screen grabbing everyone else's hate and blasting it out there so we've ended up with quite an unpleasant little melee of vitriol and nastiness and and i don't really see the word of it and all i know is that you know this woman clearly shows no signs of stopping and you know with that amount of money behind you would you the problem is is that a lot of people like jk like to put forward it oh they're just the the people trying to do the right thing they want to have an honest conversation about it but when you actually try and engage with them and say okay let's have an honest conversation because i think some of the things you're saying are really ill-founded misinformation not based in fact and actually you're missing the key point about the human beings that you're directly impacting and then they don't want to have that conversation they just want to screen grab the worst things they can find and spread it to your millions of followers and say that's it but that's not it and this is the challenge that we face in the trans community is that we have to find a way to communicate to the everyday people because jk will do her thing as other people do and they'll say these really nasty things and put out this horrible hate and then there's a whole group of people in the middle who are just well-meaning nice people who don't know any better who read it and take it for granted i don't think anything i can do right now could change jk rowling's mind i could sit here and give the most articulate answers to all of her problems and i still think she'd go away thinking that trans women aren't women so it's a bit of a lost cause the question is how do i get to the people that she's influencing and that's the bigger challenge we face because we just don't have the platforms that people like jk do well at least graham linehan doesn't have a platform anymore no mm. he's actually already popped back up on twitter oh, he's, has he? yeah he's got an account that i noticed the other day i went to see john ronson the other day and he was saying that um graham linehan who used to be one of his good friends mm. is, he doesn't have any friends anymore yeah. his wife's left him yep. and he lives in a box yeah all because he's pushing this stuff and you just think why is it worth it it must be like a bit of a conspiracy theory type thing you know where over the pandemic lots of people were isolated from society spent a lot of time online and they went down these rabbit holes of like you know tom hanks you know running pedophile rings across the world <laughs> that's <laughs> not true right no definitely not true. should we be saying that for the record 100 <laughs> percent not true but that's the one of the conspiracy people fall into and i just don't think i think it must be the same i think it's a bit of a cult and there are people who come out of that gender critical movement who've come back and said actually it is a bit like a cult yeah and you go down the rabbit hole to the point where you're so assured of your beliefs that you think that you are you know the righteous person doing the right thing whilst everyone around you is looking at you going like say what <laughs> say what <laughs> i think a lot of it is probably internalized yeah. phobia to yeah. an extent i think we see that in gay people yep. i've started to call them sexuality traitors <laughs> um you know people that hate on their own because yeah. they hate who they are and i wonder whether 
Graham, the JKs of the world, whether they're secretly trans. Yes, I've heard all that. I mean, all of these things, you know, it's like with the most homophobic pastors of like the evangelical Christian movement right. who were then caught with the 15 or 16 year old page boy <laughs> in the back later on that day. And you think, hang on a minute, there's obviously, and it is, it's what our society's unfortunately pushed onto all of us and pushed us into is this hate and this revulsion of your natural feelings. And therefore you flip and try and do as much damage and as much hurt as possible to those feelings around you. And Again, I don't want to get sued by anyone. So no. I'm not. I'm not going to uh, prevaricate. Is that the word? On why Graham might be doing what he's doing. I think. I think we can say that in general, when people are that involved in something, there's usually something personal or something driving emotional it. Yeah. driving it. And who knows what that could possibly be? A gay and a non-gay. The amount of times I've spoken about J.K. Rowling over the last six months. Or yeah. And it's oh. a shame because Hannah loved those yeah, films. I, I quite enjoy those films. I never the read books. the books, but Hannah was really, really a huge JK fan. Was looking forward to reading those to Millie when Millie grew up. And unfortunately now it would feel very much like sort of betraying our community. And you know, I think there comes a point where you can't separate the art from the from the creative because, you know, this is someone who's done us a lot of damage and continues to do so and probably to be totally frank wouldn't want us to be reading her books the most ironic thing is that within these books it's all about accepting people for who they are and all their difference so mm. it, I, I find it really hard to fathom how her views connect with what she's written but i loved them listened to all the audiobooks i was obsessed with them and then obviously this all happened and i felt like i was grieving because a i knew that i could never enjoy them again without having that po- poisoned you know the the feeling that you know what she was doing to me and my community but i really thought i was going to read into and you know what if there's someone out there who really stands against what jk has said but still feels like they can do that disconnect between the artist and the art good for you but for me i just can't do it and i i had to really grieve for the fact that i wouldn't be able to share something i really love with my daughter because that's what i'd really look forward to so it's just very sad i think it is a personal choice um mm. because so many people work on those films yeah and it's so hard to just suddenly go right Yep. I'm never giving that anymore. We could, you know, to cancel that entire franchise is to cancel so many trans allies and trans people no, of course. involved in those projects. So it's really difficult yep. to know what to do. Last time we chatted on Zoom in the pandemic, we were saying things were better than ever for acceptance in the UK. Do you still feel that way? We've just dropped from number 10 in the IGLA Europe League of uh, LGBT, inclusion. LGBT inclusion. We were number one a few years ago. We then dropped to number 10. This year we're number 14. You make of that what you will. I've had US friends message recently and bear in mind they've just had four years of Trump. Uh, saying are you guys okay over there because you know you are now being referred to as turf island i think things are probably the worst they've been for a long time in the uk hannah having you know served in afghanistan did say recently that she fears now walking down the high street as a trans woman because it's so worrying out there unfortunately it is definitely getting worse i I genuinely feel less safe walking down the street than i used to and i say i've toured afghanistan and i've been to some crazy places in my time but in the uk I honestly don't feel entirely safe. And I and I consider myself a very confident, outgoing person. But when I interact with people I don't know, I keep my voice really down. I'm really worried that someone's going to realise I'm trans in case then they happen to be one of these people who think I'm a horrible person then launch into me. And unfortunately, that does happen. And I hate myself for it. But, you know, it's a bit of self-preservation. You have to. And it's really sad that I feel that more now than I did, you know, six, seven years ago when I first came out. That's so sad. Especially... 
well, not especially anything, but you've obviously served your country at, at the highest level. So actually, you've earned the right more than anybody to swan around and do what the hell you want. <laughs> I, th- I think what I've achieved is is really irrelevant. It shouldn't matter whether or not, you know, no, you've served in Afghanistan or, you know, you're a 14 year old who's, you know, just trying to get by at school. Everyone is, should be entitled to live their authentic selves happily without fear of retribution from someone who thinks that you're a freak. And I just, I just wish people could recognize the real harm that's being done to the trans community right now and the fight that we need to to fight to be able to move forward. You've just described that so painfully. It's impossible to comprehend how it actually feels to be a trans woman experiencing all of that. And you've just put that in such a, uh, in a very easy to understand way. So yeah, thanks for talking about that. I think, you know, obviously it rages us and it's all very difficult, but imagine being a young person. I think this is what it is. These kids who are really struggling, I know I've been there when you're so scared, you're scared of everything from lack of acceptance, from being excluded from your friend group, from puberty, which is like, you know, one of the biggest terrors you face as a trans, young trans person trying to stop your body changing in that way. And then on top of it, you you look to your government, which these kids are so aware of because they're all plugged into social media. They are aware that potentially one of their biggest or most cherished children's authors is talking about them in this derogatory way. They are aware that their government is not supportive of them. They walk past these newspapers on the way to school and see trans people splashed across the front pages. It must be absolutely heartbreaking. It must be terrifying. It must do so much damage to their self-worth and their self-confidence. And again, unfortunately, no one's thinking about these young people and this nonsense rhetoric, this narrative of, you know, just leave these kids alone. You know, this is this is what the the sort of bigots say. Just let them have a childhood. Stop forcing your gender ideology on them. These kids just want their childhood. They just want to be accepted in the correct gender. They want to be allowed to use the correct pronouns. They want to be allowed to use a correct name or wear a pair of jeans or a dress. They're not asking for a lot. This nonsense about, you know, taking away their childhood by forcing them into transition. It's just untrue. It is lies and misinformation information and we've got to flip that over and help these kids to have a childhood the the childhood that i never had two unlikely friends take on the world do you know many trans couples are there there many out there where where both parties are trans there aren't a i mean actually it's not entirely true there are probably quite a lot that we don't know of that are sort of living their lives quietly and you know again having spoken to a lot of trans people dating's tough are they not missing a trick? Should there not be like a trans dating app? I, th- I think there so? are. I think there's various tamey apps. I mean, there are apps that, you know, out, particularly in the US, because the US community is huge. But I, there are definitely like dating apps where, you know, for, for trans and non-binary people particularly. I mean, not because all trans people should be dating other trans people, but <laughs> try not to cancel me as I work this out in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but a trans person, there's a lot of benefit for them to go out with another trans person because they both know that they're not transphobic, number one, and they both know what the other one's gone through and... I don't know. So the pro- the problem with like having a specific dating thing for trans people is that it attracts so many people who fetishize trans people. So as a trans woman, when you first go right. online as a trans woman, the sheer number of cisgender men that come at you is unreal, and they just see you as purely fetish, like a sexual kick. That's all it is. And if you speak to trans women on who try to do online dating, it is so hard to separate the wheat from the chaff and go, these are the people who actually want to date and are happy with me being trans regardless and these are the people who want to get a sexual kick out of someone who is trans and it is a real difficult thing to do but I'm in if you want to take it to Dragon's Den we're in okay alright <laughs> I want Peter Jones and Deborah Meadon please yeah. <laughs> do you watch Dragon's Den? yeah well I, I, mean, I certainly have done in the past clearly yeah. I have not watched it enough <laughs> to get engaged in the conversation thank you so much for coming to see us our listeners especially our young listeners will really really uh, love to hear from you thank cool. you so much for having thanks us thanks for having us yeah it's been a real pleasure Oh, 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 oh,
And thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support Gain and Non-Gay. Visit gaynongay.com slash donate.